Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. We are reading from the big book today. We are on page XXVI. We're reading one paragraph, the paragraph that starts with, though we work out our solution in just that one paragraph. Um, I don't have the reference number, but I'll be giving that to you later for tomorrow, uh, for yesterday, excuse me. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer, our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I will ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps, please. Morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, uh, recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us from sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for his knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Penny, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. And now I will ask Esther F. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. 
the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. And I do have the share ID. Excuse me for not having it earlier, the share IDs for yesterday, January 2nd, for the 7 a.m. meeting, 12,369, 12,369. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, January 2nd, 12,370. 12,370. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXVI. We're going to read one paragraph starting with, Though we work out our solution. And I'm going to ask Kelly S. to start our reading, please. Thank you, Penny, for your service. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Oklahoma. All right, so, though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who's very jittery or befogged. More often than not, 
it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, or he has then, as he has then, a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Wow. So right there, what this paragraph is telling me is, for me, I have to be abstinent before I work these steps. I have to put the food down, you know, because what I have come to find out is that my, um, my disease, you know, is, uh, blocks me from my higher power. And so, you know, I cannot work these steps a little bit drunk. I'm telling you guys, I've tried. I've been around 30 years, and it wasn't until I started listening to Vision and started listening and reading and understanding and accepting this big book and this doctor's opinion that I was a real alcoholic. You know, I would mess around. I'd, I've been around for years, and I'd hear in the rooms people like, well, I've been abstinent from sugar for this many years. Well, I'm not in Sugars Anonymous, right? Or I've had three meals, you know, nothing in between. Well, for me, I can overeat at every single meal, so I have to find my trigger foods, those foods that start that physical allergy. And for me, it's also quantity. So I weigh and measure my food because I can, you know, somebody shared yesterday, they don't binge on uh, or obsess about vegetables. Well, guess what, guys? I do. Um, I can. So anything can trigger me. You know, I have to be really careful in quantity. So I have to put it down. I cannot be drunk. If, if, if in AA you heard somebody say that, well, I was drunk and I worked the steps, they'd be laughed right out of the rooms, right? But in OA, um, it seems to be a little bit more accepted, or that's what I had heard anyway. So when I put the food down and I became clear, and it says right here, it is imperative. And in Webster's Dictionary, it tells us that's a vital, importance, crucial, an essential or urgent thing. So they're not saying, oh, maybe, you know, they're saying, this is a big freaking deal, you guys. Put the food down. Put the food down. It's going to suck, yes. But we can't get what this program says. And what is this program saying? We work this out in spiritual as well as altruistic plane. Well, how am I going to do that? So the big book is telling me that the root of my problem is selfishness and self-centeredness, right? Well, I'm in my disease. It is way worse than ever. I mean, I'm selfish and self-centered even without being in the food. And that's why I work these steps. But, you know, the altruistic plane is, is being selfless, right? You know, I'd, I actually had to look that word up because I knew it says having or showing an unselfish concern for the welfare of others. Well, how the heck am I going to do that if I'm in my disease? I can barely do it when I'm out of my disease, right? So I have to put this food down. I have to get clear. I have to start working these steps like my hair's on fire as we hear this. And then, then once I start doing that, I do the solution, which is a spiritual and altruistic plane that's talking about. But I can't do that in the fog. I can't do that a little bit drunk. I have to be clear headed and connected so I can be connected to my higher power, to you guys, to these steps and to my true self. And I'm so grateful today I was able to read this doctor's opinion with you guys and finally accept that I am the real alcoholic. There's no in-between, middle-of-the-road solution for me today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Kelly. Yes. Okay. And so I'm going to do my very best to hear everybody's name. And I'm going to ask just to trust that um, I'll do, like I said, I'll do my best to hear you. So who would like to share on what was Madam. read? Angie from Boston. Angie. Alan. Katie. Katie. Someone's coming in. Lauren, is it? Matt M. No, Lord, someone with an L. Matt M. Yeah, I got you, Matt. Okay. 
All right, who else? Barbara E. Barbara. Vasa Pia o. S. in Florida. Vasa, who's in Florida? Pia S. Pia? Yes, Okay, I have, this is who I was able to hear and write down. Start with Matt M., Holland G., Katie G., Barbara E., Vasa O., and Pia S. Good morning, Matt. Matt M., good morning. Good morning, Penny. This is Matt M. Good morning. This is Matt M. from our cultural reader from New Jersey. Yeah, I was on a meeting last night, and I was talking to the moderator afterwards, and uh, I was just sharing my experience, strength, and hope with her. I said, you know, really, you can't be in the food and still work the steps, and she didn't agree with me. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this poor woman, man, she's, she has issues. I'm like, you know, yeah, I told you, you can't be eating cheeseburgers and donuts and cake and cookies and still think you should work the steps and get through this program, app, uh, work your steps through this program. And yet, there's still this pervasive thought in the world that there's only one that you can. You can still be eating and work your way through the steps, as, as the previous chair was talking about. That's just insanity. You can't you can't be drinking, as she said before, and say, and then now you're gonna work the steps and be last out of the room. You know, I don't, I just don't get it where that where that sick thinking comes out of. And I realize, you know what? I'm not sure this is the meeting for me to go to because I might have to keep going back to try to bring my um experience trying to hope to it because even the moderator still believes in the back of her mind that you can still be eating your trigger foods and you can still work the steps. That just does not make sense. One and one does not equal two. And um it's 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 really sad. I just gonna try to do the best I can with that and I can't always go every week because I work late some say some days on that day of the meeting on Wednesdays. But uh the days I do get home early enough to be on there, I'm going to do this, and I'm trying to make help make the meeting a healthier one for everybody involved. You know, for the, for people who are agnostic or atheist and inclined, you know, it's it's a place where they can go. But you know, just because if they atheist or agnostically inclined doesn't mean I still can't bring the message of a spiritual way of life. You know, it's 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 imperative that we live this way of life or we fall off the scene. You know, there's there's there's, there's this this place is not a diet and calorie club. So, yeah, and again, like I said before, you cannot be eating and thinking toward the steps. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. And now we're going to hear from Scottsdale, Arizona. Harlan. <laughs> thank you, Penny, and thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, indeed, through Chicago. We have heard a couple of times beautifully from Matt and Kelly and the book, Dr. Silkworth, telling us that we cannot be eating while we're working the steps. Let's look at why not, because there's a lot of people out there that may be thinking, why not? If I am eating foods that are producing this effect, and what is the effect? We're going to get to it in a couple of days. The effect is the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating certain foods or certain amounts of food for me. I don't know how it is for anyone else. I know how it is for me. If I am getting the effect from certain foods, I'm getting that sense of ease and comfort. I don't need anything else right at that point. And I am not really there. 
even though it kind of looks like I'm there, even though it kind of sounds like I'm there, I'm really not there. I may not be fall down drunk, but everything that is going to come out of my mouth is going to be a manipulative lie because in eating those foods, I'm going to produce the allergy. That means that I'm going to be set up with a craving beyond my control to get more and more and more and more. Dr. Silkworth, like the rest of the book, when it wants us to know something, is going to tell it to us several times. Three times, in the doctor's opinion, three times, Dr. Silkworth is going to tell me I must put down the food. Now, there may be some people thinking, but you tell me I'm powerless over food. How can I put the food down if I'm powerless? Yes, it's true. I am powerless over food, but I am not helpless. Is it going to suck for a couple of days? Bet your ukulele it's going to suck for a couple of days. Do I need to work the steps immediately after a couple of days of abstinence? Yes, I need to start working those steps. And for a couple of days, it is going to be painful. So I am going to reach out to the fellowship. I am going to get to meetings. I am going to need support, and that's why we're here. But after that couple of days, now I can begin working those steps, and I can start getting the effect from the steps that I was getting from food, so my brain will not see the need to drive me irresistibly into the arms of a Kit Kat bar. And with that, I'm done. I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Holland. And now we have Katie G. You're up. Good morning, Miss Penny. Good morning, friends and family. This is Katie G. Recovered in Boston. Yeah, I mean, so I was thinking about my last relapse, God willing, and um, I remember waking up in the morning and saying to my sponsor, I took for granted the clarity that comes with not eating. I mean, befogged, befogged is confused. Like I didn't know how to breathe. I didn't know how to breathe. I went from this place where I was like a little bit higher functioning to this place where I didn't know what to do next. I didn't know to put my right foot in front of my left foot. And like somebody else said, it is imperative, vital, our vital signs like life-giving that my brain be cleared because when I am under the influence of, for me, certain foods, ingredients, and behaviors, um, because I'm an anorexic and bulimic recovered, I can't connect to God because there's not two gods, right? When I was exercising bulimically and then I hurt myself, guess what? My God died because my God was exercised. And then it says, you know, has a better chance of understanding. And understanding means comprehension, a mutual agreement, and then accepting, which I looked up, and that's to receive willingly, to accept like a gift, you know, that I have no power, no choice, and no control around the food. But me too, when I was coming out of relapse, yes, I have no power, no choice, no control. I cannot control it. But y'all are on this line because you guys have grit. And so what I had to do was put myself in intensive care 
and not do anything but keep my program first no matter what. Go to meetings, be on the phone, sit on my hands, get a pedicure, do anything but not put that food in my mouth so that I could take this covenant you know, of, of I have no power, choice, or control, which by default means that there is a power greater than me. Right? And that's my covenant and that my life is unmanageable. And the point is not to get my life manageable by me. My life is never going to be manageable by me. But it is to have a new manager, thank you God, to receive willingly what this program has to offer. And what do we have to offer? That there is a solution. That that little girl that I was when I was six years old, binging my brains out, so sad because I didn't think anyone in the world could understand the vastness of this hole inside of me. There is a solution. We get to live today. It is a privilege to stay abstinent, get on my knees, do this program, go to meetings, make phone calls, talk to my sponsor, do my food prep, all of that. It is a privilege to do that today because it is a solution from a chronic, deadly disease, and I don't have to die today. What a blessing. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. And now we have Barbara E. Good morning. Good morning, Penny, and thank you so much for your service. Well, what jumped out to me was the words, altruistic plan, hospitalization, spirituality, all of those words, so important. I was such a skeptic when I came into OA at the beginning. I didn't need to get to we agnostics. Just hearing the doctor's opinion raised the hackles on the back of my neck. I didn't even believe there was such a name as Silkworth. Um, I was definitely um, oppositional in behavior. But for me, the difference between religious and spiritual is so important. Religious is the dogma, the beliefs. There's, hin- there's Hinduism and Judaism and Buddhism and Christianity. And there's worship and candles and wine and wafers. But spirituality gives me the opportunity to choose my own interpretation of my higher power. And yes, I had to get cleared of the food. And there's some controversy. Two days, four days, 21 days, a month, get cleared of the food, my friends, in my humble opinion, as soon as you can, and start working with steps. Because this altruistic principle that we live by is such a beautiful, beautiful, empowering thing for me. Putting moral practice and the happiness of others before my own for no apparent benefit, no one giving me a plaque on a wall in a gym or in any other place, just expecting nothing in return. But what I've gotten in return is abstinence and a transformation of myself, a little by little. I heard a wonderful thing on the power of the pause, and the power of the pause worked for me so beautifully yesterday when I could have reacted negatively to something that happened, but I paused, I prayed, I waited, and then I sent back a measured response, a loving response, wishing someone well. This would not have been the Barbara of a long time ago. Roseanne did not expect nor want a fat and happy cup club. 
she wanted us all to to get to our own goals of abstinence and health and also do the 12 steps. It's a beautiful synergy and it works. If you're new, I promise you it works. Thank you so very much for allowing me this privilege today. I wish you all well. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. And now, Vasa O, you're with us now. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Penny, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovita, calling from uh, Florida. And this is a a paragraph that it was very, very important that I heard when I came uh, to my first meeting to Overeaters Anonymous. Even before I came, the person, uh, my Abby, uh, 12-stepped me a little bit, you know, about the, the steps and about the doctor's opinion. And I remember reading also this part. I learned this was uh, the most important thing I had to do, to put the food down, to put the food that I loved the effects of, that I lusted looking through recipes, and I used to cook it, and I used to bake it, and I said to her, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, I've been trying to do this for years, try to put the food down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, could never keep it down. She said, well, she said, you have to find a power greater than yourself. And I said, all right, how do I do this? She says, well, God, you know, a higher power works. Other meetings work, works through the literature, works through, you know, doing the tools while you're going through the withdrawals. And I said, oh, my God. I said, I don't know if I could do this. She said, you know, we do this only one day, one meal at a time. I knew how to measure. I knew how to weigh. I knew how to count calories. I was a life member of Overeaters Anonymous. I became life life member. But, you know, the minute I lost the weight, I said, oh, I'm going to reward myself now. And guess what? started eating those unhealthy foods, and I went back into it. In order to go back to the Weight Watchers, I had to pay money. I didn't have the money to pay. So thank you, my higher power that I was led into Overeaters Anonymous, and I was introduced, introduced to this book. doesn't cost that much, staying at the meetings. And, uh, and, and yes, I had to go through the withdrawals. And she said, well, you know, if you can't go to a meeting, you know, you're going to be home. So you ask your higher power to help you. We draw on our higher power to help us. I remember being on my knees all day long, up, up and down, up and down, using the tools, picking up the phone. I did whatever it took while I was going through the withdrawals not to pick up. And um, by the grace of God, the program the support. I've been doing it for years, and this is the only thing that's worked. But I needed to put the food down, and it's still down those, uh, the, the allergy foods. You know, I don't pick them up. I, I don't want them in my life. I don't want to ever go back to where I was before. So it works, but I had to put it down. And yes, I was going through the drawers. I thought I was going to go crazy, but I did not pick it up. Thank you for letting me share, and I passed. Thank you, Vasa O. And now we have Pia S. Good morning, Pia. Thank you. 
Good morning, Penny. This is P.S. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater uh, in Florida. And um, I'm so uh, grateful for the meeting this morning and that um, we have so many sober and abstinent people sharing today because it is just, it was so vital for me to hear this when I came in. And and um, in the doctor's opinion, I don't know, like, if he was a psychiatrist, but I thought like he, this, you know, Dr. Silford was a doctor, so he knows about uh, the the physical part of our disease. So he he could see it was so important, and like they talk about here, that it's Im- imperative that we are abstinent when we work through the steps. But I have to put down my binge foods, and and to be able to do that, I have all of these great tools that I can use, you know, we have this fellowship, we can call recovered people. I mean, I hear recovered people on the line all all the time in these wonderful meetings. And I can go and go online and find their names and call them and get their strengths, uh, their uh, uh, experience, strengths and hope. And I, when I was first, when I first came in, I, I was binge listening to a Vision for You meeting. That was so helpful. And um, and for me also, my brain quiets down. Like I could, I could literally feel it when I was off the food because when I'm in the food, my heart is racing, and I'm like, there's stuff going on inside of me. But my brain really quiets down, and, and it needs to be quiet for me to be able to listen and to accept and understand all of these suggestions that will come and that are, you know, that that I will get from my sponsor. And, um, and I'm so grateful that my sponsor was abstinent and sober when she brought me through the steps. I mean, I don't know, but I am not, you know, I'm not trustworthy uh, when I'm in the food because I don't really know. I can't differentiate the truth from the false. But my sponsor, uh, she, um, she, since she was abstinent and recovered, and you know, had a clear mind. She could, you know, I could trust her. I could, um, I understand what, like, I didn't always understand what she was talking about, but I was willing to trust her because I could see that she was sober. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful for that. And um, yeah, for that, I'll pass. Thanks, Penny. Thank you, P.S. And before I take a list of more names, I'm going to just remind everybody who may have uh, called in a little late. We're reading on page XXVI, one paragraph, the one that starts with, though we worked out our solution. And now I'll take some more names who would like to share. Lisa B. This is Larry K. Melissa C. Kim J. Maura Z. Sandy S. Leia M. We have to stop at Sandy, please. (laughs) Okay, we're going to stop at Sandy. And we have Lisa B., Larry K., Melissa, you please give me your initial, if I don't have it, when you share, Kim G., Maura Z., and Sandy. Okay, Lisa B., will you start us off on this next group? Yes, good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Penny for your kind service. Um, The line that 
speaks out for me is um, more, well, before he is approached, you know, cleared. The man's brain be cleared before he is approached. So my illness um, was like the queen of minimizing. So many, many years ago, 30 some odd years ago, I went into a treatment center for compulsive overeating. I could not stop binge eating. Then I became also a restrictor. And I thought that like abstinence was the goal. I never really understood about having the spiritual awakening as a result of the steps that my mind, my mind is the problem. And my mind will always take me back to the food if I don't get recovered. So I did not stay abstinent, and um, I went on with my life, and for whatever reason, whatever reason, the binging was never as bad as it was um, before I went into treatment, and so I just minimized, and I've been untreated, unrecovered compulsive overeater, dealing with compulsive exercise and restricting, and then sometimes binging on the weekend or binging during the week, and then I would just go on with my life being a half dead person. So when I met someone in whom the problem has been solved and I began to understand what a real compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety is versus just a hard eater. And, um, I saw that I am, in fact, of the hopeless variety, and that I don't know when or what's going to happen to me when I pick up. So my mind got cleared and I stopped minimizing. I thought, well, if I go out to the restaurant, I have a salad dressing or the barbecue sauce or whatever that has the alcoholic ingredients in there that I thought, I used to think it's no big deal or I don't have the weight, but I did exactly the way Dr. Silkworth describes, which is getting entirely abstinent. I began working with someone and suddenly there was silence, quiet in my head. And I realized I've never had quiet. And I could understand and accept what was being offered to me. So I, I wanted to just share that in the hopes that it might help someone else. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. And now we have Chicago checking in. Hey, Larry? Boston. Hey, Boston. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, well, I mean, these are all suggestions, right? There's there's no have-tos. You can come into this program and you can work it any way you want. You know, if you if you have this malady, you know, putting the food down for a day or a hundred days or a thousand days, that's not a that's not a spiritual awakening, right? Can we agree that that's not a spiritual awakening? Putting the food down on the first day. At least not a spiritual awakening sufficient to change all manner of your thinking and your ideals and your oh, thus your behaviors, nor is it enough to drive out the obsession. I haven't seen that happen. It didn't happen for me. You know, you you can put the, you can, conversely, you can put the food down and be a dry drunk and you can continue. There, there's probably one or maybe two on the line, maybe none. They're, they continue to be dominated by self you know, treating others the way you always have and being utterly unable to be of real service to God and to others. You know, put, putting the food down for me was merely the ticket in the door here in which I could have the, the clear, clearness of mind in which that I could be work these steps in a way, follow the instructions without cutting corners so that I could be brought into congruence with my higher power, not perfect congruence, not perfect alignment, but where, you know, my walk and my talk are more comfortably aligned. 
if you meet me, you know, um, you won't meet someone who's three or 400 pounds, but that's, that, that's just a little bit of evidence. That's not the entire picture, right? I could be a real jerk. If you were to follow me around, you know, what type of person are you going to find? Well, you're going to find an imperfect person, but you're, you're certainly not going to find the guy that was busting windshields and divorced two times and emotionally detached and uh, all manner of craziness. You're not going to find that guy. That guy has been changed by God. I didn't do the changing. I just chopped some wood. But, yeah, I had to put the food down. I'd love to hear others you know, that, that are on this line day after day, they come, they're not, they're not even paid commission. It's the craziest thing. I don't, I don't understand that. No commission. No, I don't, I don't know what they're doing here. And they have lives. They got families, they got good jobs, some of them, but they keep coming here day after day. And they, they're not speaking with a feigned authority. These, these teachers that I hear and then disappear into the mist, you know, the next day. They keep showing up. They know they have to carry the message. They, they, they have different styles of doing it. These people had to put the food down. No one put the food down on their behalf. Every single one of them, every single one of them had to put the food down, had to put the behavior down. And they're here. So thanks, Boston. With that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. Um, that was Larry Kay. And now we're going to have Melissa. Good morning, Melissa. Hi, good morning, Penny. This is Melissa C. from New York. And, um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you for your service this morning. Um, you know, I, I kind of was thinking about this altruistic thing because, um, you know, why is it that I don't have the ability to truly be altruistic um, when I'm in, the, you know, when I'm not sober, when I'm not 100% abstinent? Um, I don't know why, but I know that, you know, I have sat across the table from a friend crying about her breakup. You know, we would be out at dinner, and my 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 heart was open to her. I wanted to hear her, and yet I was really more concerned with the bread on the table than the words she was saying. I was somehow in my mind was thinking, oh, I bet she wants dessert. You know, and that's the nature of having this disease. It crowds out my ability to truly love and be present for the people in my life. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the hospitalization, you know, because we favor hospitalization for the man who is defogged. And for for many of us, my, myself included, I did not go into a treatment center. Um, and oftentimes when I begin working with people, they don't either. But we can discuss how we can sort of create our own hospitals. We can put really, you know, tight parameters temporarily, you know, as if they were in the hospital, of, of treatment so that they can get clear. You know, and so that definite hospitalization period, you know, that hospital is, no, you don't go on vacation when you're looking to get abstinent. You know, no, it might mean you don't go out to dinner. You eat all your meals at home. You know, you... you um, don't go to the supermarket. If the supermarket is frightening for you, don't go there. Order your groceries online. There's an amazing, you know, most of you can do that. If you live in a big city or if not, 
you can order your groceries. You can go and pick them up. You can have them delivered. You can ask a friend to do them. I actually speak to new sponsees or people who are looking to get clear as they're walking through the supermarket, their list in hand, and I will talk to them the entire time they're walking through the market. And there are many of us who have done that for one another, and that could be our hospital. You know, we, we have to get 100% clear I had to before I could even be approached and even contemplate being altruistic. And um, thank you. With that, I'll Thank you, Melissa C. And next, Kim G., you're up. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., and everyone, but that line is just oh, wonderful. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. You know, I don't know what kind of compulsive overreader you are, but I'm the type of compulsive overreader that's always trying to prove that I'm an exception to the rule. I have lurking notions. I have reservations. I'm always looking for that loophole. You know, I think to myself, you know, if I had broken up with a boyfriend and it was a really bad relationship and he wants to get back together with me and I'm trying to figure it out, I'm calling friends and they're all telling me, oh, Kim, that was really bad. Think about what happened, you know. I don't think this is a good idea, but what I do is I keep calling people, and I keep calling people, and everyone's giving me that same message until finally I reach the person who says, ah, you know what, Kim, I think you can change them. I think this time will be different, and what I'll do is I'll jump on that because that's what I want to hear. With all the information I'm getting that this is a bad relationship, a bad idea, I am seeking out the person that's going to tell me, no, 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 you can do this, even though everyone else is telling me the wrong thing. So I think of that line that we're going to read in a couple of days, too. The only relief I have to suggest, or they have to suggest, is entire abstinence. And my alcoholic brain sees the word suggest next to abstinence and thinks that abstinence is only suggested. I forget the whole sentence says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. So what my brain will do is it will lock in more often than not. Well, see, see, I don't have to be abstinent. But then I forget the part that it says it is imperative. It's an imperative that my brain be cleared. So I'm just going to end with this, this idea that if I go in and I'm being told I have stage 4 cancer and I'm giving alternate treatments, and that's one treatment says it's an 80% chance, 80% recovery rate. And here's this other treatment that says there's a 20% recovery rate. Am I going to say, well, let me try the 20% because the 80% one it seems a little bit too uncomfortable for me. I want to seek that treatment that has the best treatment example. And I just want to say to end with this, my heart is singing. My heart is singing today, hearing these messages, one after the other, of people who have put down the food, had a spiritual awakening, and had sustained accidents for years, for years. Because what my little brain wants to do if I'm in the food is I'm going to seek out that person who's telling me a different message that maybe hasn't even had, had abstinence at all or has a brief I, brief time period that's going to tell me what I want to hear. And I'm so grateful for the people on the line right now that are telling those who are still suffering the message that they need to hear. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. And next is Maura Z. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Penny C. Thanks so much for your service. Good to hear you on on the line this morning. Maura Z recovered, gratefully so, in Virginia. Um, 
gosh, what can I say that's new and different? Nothing. <laughs> and that's the point. Nothing needs to be said that's new and different. We do not have to change this message one iota. This message is the same. It has been the same for, what, 80 years now? That you must, a man's brain must be cleared. It is imperative. And imperative, according to Big Book Dictionary, is required, necessary, essential. There's no wiggle room here, folks. There's no, maybe I want to do it this way on Monday, but I'll do it differently on Tuesday. No. These are precise instructions. And somebody is unmuted. These are precise instructions that tell me exactly what I need to do. It is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. I have to be absolutely 100% clean of all of my binge foods, trigger foods, alcoholic foods, allergic foods, whatever you want to call them. It's whatever it is that I take in that gives me that sense of ease and comfort. But it's fleeting. It's a lie. But for how many years did I believe that lie? Because that's the only one I knew. Now I know different. Now, because of this book, because it was cracked open by someone in whom the problem had been solved and who told me more, guess what? We've been living under an illusion all our lives. Maybe more than that. It's probably been a delusion. It's a fantasy story I've been telling myself all these years. That's not how it works. What works is this. This is the solution to these problems. I can't be honest with myself if my, if my head is in the food. I'm not going to. Why would I? Why would I want to, you know, be honest and tell you anything about what's really going on in my life if I know it's really the shit? I don't want to do that. I want to put on this facade of everything is absolutely honky-dory. I'm okay. I can handle all this. Lies. Denial. Don't even know I'm lying to myself. I get this gift of spirituality by working the 12 steps that takes me to my higher power, but I can't even start that work unless I am clean physically. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Maura Z. And next we have Sandy. And Sandy, please give me the initial of your last name. Sure. Sandy S. is in Sandy. And, Thank you. Uh, Sandy S. recovered compulsive overeater from Asheville, North Carolina. And I really have a different story than most people on the line. I was hospitalized. I was hospitalized in 1972 before there was bulimia, before there were treatment centers. I was hospitalized and I was throwing up in bags in the hospital because they wanted me to see the consequences of what I was doing. And the consequence for me was that I would just leave the hospital, go to grocery stores. I remember meeting my psychiatrist uh, with bags of food. It didn't work. It didn't work. I knew I was mentally sick. I knew I was powerless over food. And you know what? I couldn't care less. I love food. I didn't get fat. That was all I knew. 
And I came into OA and I loved OA. It was the first time I had people that I could talk about this with. But within OA, I tried to kill myself and back again in the hospital because I was binging my brains out. So I'm a person that I knew I had a problem. I just didn't know how to access the solution. And for me, what was amazing was within OA, I had a spiritual awakening. Um, I wasn't working the steps. I was going to meetings. I knew I was powerless over food. I was working them as best I could at that time in those early days of OA. But I had a spiritual experience, which I've shared before, because someone shared with me from OA, someone in whom the problem had been solved, that compulsive overeating could not coexist with love. And then for some reason, God gave me this experience of experiencing love. And in that moment, I gave up the food. I have no idea why. And I've always known that to be abstinent, recovery was the most important thing in my life. Maybe because I had such a low bottom and lost almost everything, including my life. And so today, I am just so grateful. As far down as I had sunk, that's as high as I am ascending. And I have total confidence that the solution for me is just experiencing and opening up myself up to God, whatever that means in this moment. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Yes. And now we have time for just two more people to share. So I'm going to... Hey, this to, is Fran. Fran M. Fran M. Leia D from Connecticut. And Leia D. Okay. And I'm sorry, the rest of you, will, there'll be another meeting, as you know, at 8 o'clock, um, non-recorded, that you can share at. All right, Fran M., will you take up the sharing? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for your service. I loved hearing. Thank you so much, Penny, and thanks, everybody who shared. Um, I've heard a lot of you a bunch of times, and it's great. It's great to have so many recovering people on the line. I loved hearing. um, I love the doctor's opinion. I also know that this book was written for alcoholics, and sometimes with food, it's a little bit different. We interpret it as exactly the same thing, and maybe that's true, maybe that's not. All I know is my experience, and I've also been in the room since 1978, and I've seen that there are many roads to Rome. There are people who get abstinent for 40 years and stay abstinent, eating their brains off and working the steps, and suddenly they get struck abstinent. My own experience is I had to put the food down, and then I was able to work the program, but I couldn't speak for anyone else. I don't tell you how it has to be for you. What I do tell you is life is so much better without the food, and life is so much better without our compulsion or allergy, whatever it is. And I also know that for all of us, the allergy is different. I can take or leave sugar. I know at least 40 people who are abstinent for over 20 years who may or may not eat sugar or flour or fat or French fries or whatever. And I know others who completely abstain from it. And frankly, the quality of their abstinence is all beautiful. Recovery is a very spiritual thing. 
and it's a physical thing, but it's different physically for each of us, but it's not different spiritually. And I just thank Sandy so much for her share because I know that there are people who walk that path. I saw them. I see them today. They have decades, scores of perfect abstinence or as, as close to we can have as perfect abstinence. And that wasn't my road. But I just say that I have to be humble enough to know that, first of all, it's different for everyone. Second of all, human beings are interpreting Dr. Silkworth and applying it to food. He wrote it for alcohol. And number three, I have complete faith that all compulsive overeaters can recover. But I wouldn't dare say how you have to recover but I will always be willing to tell you how it worked for me. And if you listen to enough experiences of people recovering from compulsive overeating, compulsive eating, you will find the one that matches you. I think the main thing is to have faith that it works. And the other thing, aside from believing in a power greater than ourselves, is to know that there are many of us who are willing to help you. And if someone yells at you and tells you they really don't think your way is the right way, then that's not the person for you to talk to. All we know is our own particular individual experience. And anybody who tries to tell you differently, that's not the way the program works. It just works of one poor slob compulsive overeater sharing with another. And that includes bulimics and anorexics and compulsive undereaters and compulsive eaters because food is different from alcohol. We don't stop taking it. So it has a different effect in the way we experience it. Same effect, but, well, I don't even know if it's the same because I'm not God, but I know that there is a solution and that if you stick around, you'll find it. And thanks, everyone, for your beautiful shares. Thank you, M. And Leah, a little angel just told, told me that I had the wrong initial for your last name. Leah M. Is that correct? Leah? Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, your service this morning. You know, if I'm eating, my brain is not clear to hear and absorb the message of recovery. My book, I had to get an education, you know, of the twofold nature of my illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. I have a body that sets me apart from normal people. I am biologically mandated. My very cells, when I eat certain substances, uh, they, that feeling intensifies. It never gets satisfied, satisfied. When I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that had that same effect on me that an alcohol, uh, alcohol has for an alcoholic. So, you know, the first part for me, the beginning of recovery for me, was that I had to refrain from compulsive overeating. I had to be in a state of food sobriety. I had to be as sober with food as an alcoholic is with alcohol. No compromises, no middle ground. Sure, it's easier for an alcoholic to identify the substance that causes his allergy. For an alcoholic, it's alcohol in any form, whether it's wine, beer, or liquor. But for the compulsive overeater, we all differ in the kinds of substances. But, you know, taking that step one, unless I humble myself by taking step one, I don't need the rest of the program. We have a whole way of life that we're offering here, a whole spiritual way of life. But I could not serve two masters. 
I was either going to serve my, the master of addiction by continuing to eat the substances that trigger me, or I was going to separate from those binge foods, yes, it is difficult in the beginning, so that I would be available to serve a new God, a God of my understanding. There's a whole new way of life here, but you've got to stop compulsively overeating to begin to experience it. Abstinence is the beginning of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah M. And so we come to the end of this hour. Um, Thank you to everyone who shared and everyone who helped to uh, get this meeting going, the people who read and um, people who put it together in the first place. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for the meeting that we just have was 12377. 12377. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And I'm going to ask Nadia B. to read that for us, starting with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, fellows. Nadia B., gratefully recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will just constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.